Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Please open your Bibles tonight to Proverbs chapter 5. And as we, um, as we go through the Proverbs, again, we're going to get practical wisdom from God for many different areas of our life. And we're still in the very beginnings of this book, which really speak about wisdom, about gaining that wisdom that God wants to give to all of, uh, all of his children. And it's spoken of in, in a lot of these beginning chapters as instructions that Solomon is giving to his son. And how as parents we want the best for our kids. And we hopefully will speak wisdom into their lives when they're at an age that they can grasp those things and that then when they get older they'll remember those things that we tell them. And then they won't stumble and fall in those, in those places. And maybe we teach them some things from our past mistakes. You know, a lot of times, some, a lot of times we'll go to our kids and say, listen, you know, we, we, I did this, but this is not how I want you to, 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 you know, work out this situation. There's better ways. And maybe when we did it, we weren't saved. We didn't know the Lord. We didn't follow his ways. And then we came to the Lord later and understood that he has a better way to walk this, this life according to His perfect will. So we see a lot of things in the Proverbs we're going to see as we, as we continue through. A lot of those instructions that are so wise, and sometimes we may think that, boy, that just makes a lot of sense. But how many times we fall and we stumble in those very things that we should, we should understand. There are some things throughout the book of Proverbs that are, are spiritual applications as well as practical applications. This chapter is really 99% practical application. I am not going to spiritualize this chapter, although in, in some ways it does apply spiritually and we'll go through that. But we are to take the Word of God literally unless there's other evidence with scripturally, biblically, that we should take something figuratively. So we study the Word of God and we teach the Word of God from a literal perspective. So today, Proverbs chapter 5 is going to speak of the perils of adultery. And this is really adultery, you know, the way we think of it in a practical sense. So Solomon is going to be teaching us. He's been teaching us the rules of life as we start in this book. Solomon gives us wisdom for our entire being. He's trying to instruct us to love, to serve, and to obey God with our hearts, our soul, our minds, and our strength, with our whole self. And so there may be some applications throughout the book of Proverbs that are really more practical, physical, tangible things that he's trying to sh show us. 
We've already learned in the Proverbs the rule of the lips. In Proverbs 4.24, put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. So again, Solomon's speaking wisdom here about how we are to speak to one another. You know, and how many times we can think of those things where it's just so practical application, whether it's in the marriage, whether it's other relationships, we understand that to speak, to speak to one another in a certain way is a godly thing to do. And, and Solomon gives us instruction there. And then we've learned about the rule of the eyes. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Proverbs 4.25 you know, just speaking of keeping our eyes focused on the good things, on the godly things, and not on the things of this world. We learned about the rule of the feet. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Proverbs 4.26. You know, consider things. You know, Paul writes about walking circumspectly in this world. Walking carefully. In other words, giving thought to to everything that we do. Don't just, I, I like to, sp I like to uh, speak to people sometimes that come in for counseling and say, listen, as Christians, we don't just kind of wander through and float through this world. We do things thoughtfully, circum circumspectly. We do things carefully. We give thought to what we do. We pray about things that we do and how we walk in this world. And so Solomon says there, ponder the path of your feet. Consider where you're going, what you're doing before you do it. Let your ways be established. And then today we're going to hear about the rule of the ears. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding. Proverbs 5.1. So right off the bat in this proverb we're going to see, he's going to speak to us about listening, about hearing the Lord. We also see Solomon's counsel re regarding adultery in this proverb. And this is to be taken literally as in the marital relationship. There's really no other way to take it. As we go through, you'll see it's pretty, it's pretty evident that that's how, that's how it's meant. God's plan for marriage was clear from the beginning of creation. One man, one woman, given to one another for life. So we have God's instruction, we have God's perfect way, perfect plan, and then we see what happens when we stray from that. In Genesis 2, 21 through 24, it says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs, and he closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now, in case anyone thinks that this is just an old-fashioned idea and, you know, maybe 4,000 years ago may seem old-fashioned to you, but... 2,000 years ago, Jesus reiterates this. He quotes from Genesis 2. And he said, and Jesus said, and he answered and said to them, Have you not read? And of obviously he's speaking of this, this, uh, these verses in Genesis. That he who made them at the beginning made them male and female. 
For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. So we see here God's plan, God's design for marriage of one man, one woman for life. And so we're going to see in this proverb some of the consequences of not following that plan. The consequences of adultery. Most of us probably know people or, or we, we ourselves have been caught up in, in that sin. And we know people who have fallen to temptation and know that there are consequences of that. In this proverb, we'll see how Solomon gives the warning to avoid adultery and also gives some of the results of not heeding that instruction. A bitter end, wasted years, loss of wealth, and public disgrace. All of those things can be consequences and a result of not following God's way. As we study the proverb, consider what Solomon is teaching in the literal sense of what we're talking about. But we're gonna, I'm also going to maybe ask you to consider in a spiritual way what God means when he makes reference to adultery throughout the Scriptures. Because there is spiritual application here that God uses. And what I want to do is I want to take some of the examples of, of the consequences of adultery, the consequences of unfaithfulness, and apply them obviously literally and practically to our lives, but also spiritually. God desires full consecration and commitment from His children. And applying it to marriage, we are supposed to be fully committed and consecrated to our spouse. When we look elsewhere for what God wants to give us, it, He considers it spiritual adultery. The same as within the marital relationship, if we look elsewhere for what our spouse is supposed to provide for us, it's considered adultery. The Bible is clear. Those who call themselves believers should not choose to become friends with the world. Now, when we mention the world, we, we're talking about that, that system, the world's system, which is, for the most part, against the things of God. The worldly way of conducting ourselves will naturally pull us away from God. And the Bible warns against that very strongly and makes um, uses the imagery of adultery many times throughout the Scriptures to make that point. The idea of complete faithfulness to God is woven throughout the Bible. From the Old Testament to the New, we see examples of people who have been faithful to God and many who have not been. Many times God will use the imagery of adultery. As we study this proverb, we definitely want to take that warning and instruction literally as a father give, gave to his son. But also the biblical idea of fidelity can be applied spiritually to our lives. The Bible gives the same warning regarding God's people seeking after other gods. Spiritual adultery is defined as unfaithfulness to God. In the Old Testament, it may be seen as mixing pagan gods in with the worship of the one true God, Yahweh. 
in Judges 3, 7, and we see it throughout a lot of the Old Testament, says here, So the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and Asherah. So we see here that God is, un, is, uh, is displeased when we seek after other gods. It's, to him, it's spiritual adultery. In the New Testament, spiritual adultery is described as having excessive fondness of the things of the world. James says, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So we see that you, you, have to, you can't serve two masters, the Bible says. So whether it's the literal adultery in the marital relationship, which is really what we're going to be looking at tonight, or the spiritual adultery regarding God, the warning is the same. And many times the consequences are the same. So we'll jump in to, to Proverbs 5 and verse 1. And it says, My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding that you may preserve discretion and your lips may keep knowledge. So a father here giving instructions to his son, and Solomon is urging his child to heed his commands. The reason that he's saying this is twofold. Number one, that you may preserve discretion. To preserve discretion means to make wise choices. Make wise choices. So this is instruction, not only for this, particular subject that Solomon is talking about, but really to make wise choices throughout your whole life. And he's speaking this into a, a, a young man or a child. And, and it's something that we can take with us throughout our entire life. And how great is it when we gain that, that knowledge and that wisdom early on and we don't make some of those mistakes I know for me, I made a lot of my mistakes before I knew the Lord, before I knew God's Word and, and His instruction for my life. A lot of times that's when we make, make our most foolish mistakes. And that, then the other reason that he, he's urging his child to heed his commands is that his lips may keep knowledge. Your lips may keep knowledge. So he's urging his son to hear him so that he can he can confirm what's in his heart and he can then pass that on to his children and to the next generation. In Deuteronomy 30, 14, it says, but the word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. You see, God puts the mouth and the heart together. Matthew 12, 34, Jesus, Jesus says, brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's in our heart many times will come out of our lips. And Solomon is saying here, listen, heed my words, receive my wisdom, make wise choices, and then your speech will reflect what's in your heart. You know, people sometimes judge us by what comes out of our mouths. And, and it needs to be a godly things. And we need to fill our, fill our hearts with godly things.
Solomon is setting the scene here for some very practical and important lessons. He's saying, make wise choices. Learn from the maturity of those who have gone before you and pass those lessons on to the next generation. Moving on in Proverbs 5, For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil, but in the end she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, Her steps lay hold of hell, lest you ponder her path of life. Her ways are unstable. You do not know them. So Solomon here is is, uh, contrasting the, the imaginary perception of the adulterer, which seems sweet and pleasant. He's contrasting that with the reality of the consequences of infidelity. When I read this and Um, and studied it, I couldn't help but think of the deception of pornography in our society today. It's a deception. It really is. Part of the attraction, I think, to that is the fact that it isn't real. You know, reality, real relationships come with its share of, of struggles and problems and challenges. Fantasy doesn't have those issues. In today's society, The sin of pornography is rampant. And I think one of the reasons why is because people don't, people would rather have fantasy relationships than real relationships. And unfortunately, it's also very prevalent among Christians and not only men. Now, the false promise of adultery, the false promise of pornography is that you can get something there that you can't get at home in the marital relationship. And it's a lie. It's a false promise. It says, For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey in verse 3. Honey is sweet. Honey is satisfying. Many times adultery takes place because the home is anything but sweet and satisfying. Maybe Maybe there's strife. Maybe there's conflict in the home. So one of the spouses looks elsewhere to find that sweetness. And then it continues and says, her mouth is smoother than oil. Oil is smooth and soothing. Seeking after that feeling is one reason that some look outside of the marital relationship. But God wants us to find satisfaction within the institution of marriage that He established between a man and a woman. It says in Song of, Song of Solomon 6.3, I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. He feeds his flock among the, among the lilies. They had given themselves to one another. They had fully consecrated themselves to one another, devoted to one another. Solomon wrote Song of Songs, or Song of Solomon. He wrote Proverbs. He wrote Ecclesiastes. And he wrote these books and he wrote about wisdom and we're going to gain a lot of wisdom from him as we go through Proverbs. The problem with Solomon was that he didn't follow his own advice. And we see the consequences of him not following his own advice were disastrous. In 1 Kings 11, verses 1 through 4, it says, But King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, 
women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites, from the nations of which from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, You shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after other gods. Solomon clung to these in love. And he had 700 wives. I don't know what kind of love it was, really. I, it, was, it was obviously lust. And he had 700 wives princesses and 300 concubines and his wives turned away his heart for it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart away after other gods and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God as was the heart of his father David so the disastrous consequences of Solomon not heeding his own wisdom he knew and yet he, he didn't follow through with it. We see that Solomon began his descent into disobedience, and when he did that, it manifested itself in many different aspects of his life. The one primary factor was unfaithfulness. Unfaithfulness. You know, we need to be faithful in all of our relationships, folks. You know, whether it's the marital relationship or relationship or at our jobs, we need to be faithful in those things. And, you know, it says here at the end of, of uh, 1 Kings 11 in verse 4, his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God as was the heart of his father David. You know, some may ask, well, didn't David commit adultery? Didn't David commit adultery and commit murder? And, and yet he's spoken of as a man after God's own heart. You know, the difference here is that David did sin, yes, he sinned greatly. And he suffered the consequences of that sin. His family was, con was really in, in a shambles. And there's one difference here. David repented of that sin. And it wasn't a lifestyle for him. It wasn't a lifestyle. The Bible is very clear about sin being a temporary uh, fall, an occasional fall, that you repent from and you turn from and your desire is not to do it again. And it, it contrasts that with habitual, continual sin in which there's no repentance. That's a difference. Solomon, 700 wives, 300 concubines, that was a lifestyle of sin against, and disobedience against God. In the New Testament, John writes about this type of sin and he contrasts it. In, in 1 John 3, 6, he says, Whoever abides in him, God, does not sin. Whoever sins neither has seen him or known him. So John is saying here, if you abide in Christ, you should not be in habitual, continual sin. That should not be the pattern of your life. In free, in uh, jumping down a couple of verses, it says, whoever has been born of God does not sin. Now, we, ha we sin. So what does John mean here? It means that he does not get into a continual, habitual lifestyle of sin. We have been changed. And if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All thing, the old things have passed away. Behold, 
Everything is new. So we have a new heart. We have a new mind, a new direction in our life. Those old things we pass, are passed away. We no longer live in a, a lifestyle of sin. And so there's a, there's a difference here. Moving on, uh, in verse 3 it says here, But the lips of an immoral woman drip honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end she is bitter as wormwood. Bitter as wormwood. Cost, contrasting the false sweetness of an adulterous person with the reality of the bitterness which results. That word wormwood in Hebrew is the word lahana. And it refers to a poisonous root. It's, a, it's like a curse. And the Bible always uses that relating to bitterness. So the contrast between the sweetness of a true marital love relationship and that of an adulterous relationship which is bitter. And, and Solomon is contrasting that. And not only that, but it's sharp as a two-edged sword. The nature of adultery. It may seem pleasant for a time, but it can cut the other way too. The guilt and the self-condemnation and the anguish and the judgment that come out of that type of a relationship can be very destructive. The Bible speaks of the adulterous woman, but I think the evidence shows that men can be the ones who initiate affairs also. And the characteristics here can apply to both men and women who seek to destroy marriages by committing adultery. In verse 5, he goes on, And her feet go down to death, her steps lay hold of hell, lest you ponder her path of life. Her ways are unstable, you do not know them. Solomon instructing his son here not to follow the ways of an adulterer. It can only lead to destruction. The Apostle Paul writes about this as he describes the nature and consequences of sin in Romans 6, 21. He writes, What fruit did you have then in the things which are, you are now ashamed? In other words, what good came out of that sin that now you're ashamed of? What good came out of it? For the end of these things, Paul writes, is death. So although you may think that that it's pleasant at the time. The results of it is disastrous. And then twice in the Proverbs, the same verse is repeated, and I think it applies here. In, in 14.12 and 16.25, Solomon writes, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. It may seem right to you to get involved in something like that, but be careful. The consequences are not worth it. Moving on, verse 7. Therefore, hear me now, my children, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Remove your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the cruel one, lest aliens be filled with your wealth and your labors go down to the house of a foreigner. So, Another result of adultery is the loss, could be the loss of wealth and prosperity. You know, adultery and divorce can be very expensive. Alimony, legal costs, child support, 
you know, a few of the financial costs of adultery and divorce. Also, consider the costs of maintaining the affair that go along with that. You know, it could, it could ruin you financially. And these verses also warn that your honor and that your productive years can be taken away. You know, your honor or your reputation, how difficult it is to come back from that. If, if your reputation is tainted in people's eyes, you know, it only takes a, a second for your reputation to be tainted, but it takes years sometimes to reestablish your honor in people's eyes. And although forgiveness is possible, forgetting is difficult for those who are hurt by adultery. And, you know, forgiveness, we've seen, we've seen couples, we've seen uh, uh, Christian couples who have been uh, hurt by the sin of adultery, and we've seen the, the, the uh, spouse that was hurt by it forgive their spouse and, and reestablish that and restore that relationship. And really, ultimately, that's what God would want. And I can't imagine how difficult it must be to regain that trust, you know, between the two of them. But I'm not sure, I'm not quite sure how much that, uh, that spouse might forget. That, that might be a diff more difficult thing. Moving on in verses 11 through 13, Solomon writes, And you mourn at last when your flesh and your body are consumed and say, how I have hated instruction and my heart despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. So Solomon at the beginning says, says hear me. Lend your ear to these words of wisdom that I'm telling you. But here, some of the saddest verses in the Bible here where someone did not heed that instruction and they're mourning. And they're suffering the consequences of that. The regret of someone who gets involved in adultery or any other sin. And especially if they were warned ahead of time. Warned, you certainly are warned by the Word of God and maybe even some people in your life may have warned, warned you about that. So... So we see the regret that comes from that. And then Solomon is also speaking of the physical effects of that sin. It may result in disease. It may result in injury or death. And so a lot of times we don't think our way all the way through to the consequences, to its most painful conclusion. A lot of times people get, just get caught up in the, in the immediate pleasures of that. Verse 14, he writes, I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation. So again, another, another difficult result here is public disgrace. Public disgrace in the church, public disgrace in the community. And even if there's discipline and confession and forgiveness, you know, that stigma may still remain. And may, maybe someone can't re return to their former position within the body of Christ or within society because of that sin. So, so many different things, so many 
ill effects. He goes on here and says, Drink water from your own cistern and running water from your own well. Should your fountains be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them only be your own and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. As a loving deer and a graceful doe, let her breasts satisfy you at all times and always be encouraged uh, enraptured with her love. So Solomon here is speaking of the blessings of fidelity in marriage contrasted with the tragedy of adultery. The idea of drawing all our satisfaction from our own spouse is represented here by drinking water from your own cistern and running water from your own well. And then the question of wasting the blessings that God intended for the marital relationship is expressed by verse 16, which says, Should your fountains be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets? So there's, there's a way that's, that's God's way. And any other way that we do things, we're taking that away from God and we're wasting the beauty that He's given to us in that perfect relationship that he represents in marriage. Verses 18 and 19 restate God's ideal of one spouse until, until death. It says here, let uh, rejoice with the wife of your youth, Solomon writes. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews also speaks of God's view on marriage. In Hebrews 13, 4, the author writes, Marriage is honorable above all, and the bed undefiled but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. So we see here throughout, really throughout the scripture, Old Testament and New, this same theme is given, um, is given over and over again, which is why I think, although this is applic applicable definitely to the marital relationship, we can see God using this same imagery in a spiritual sense. Moving on in verse 20 and then, Finishing up, for why should you, my son, be enraptured by an immoral woman and be embraced in the arms of a seductress? So, again, two ways we can go in this world, God's way or man's way. God's way is the one with many benefits. And man's way has no advantages and is meaningless. For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, verse 21, and he ponders all his paths. His own iniquities entrap the wicked man, and he is caught in the cords of his sin. He shall die for lack of instruction, and in the greatness of his folly he shall go astray. So the main point here, we get to it in these verses, the sort of the main point of this chapter is that the, the sin and its consequences that go along with that, God sees it all. God sees it all. Where our eyes go, God sees. Where our feet take us, God knows. And because of His great mercy and His long-suffering towards us, He doesn't wipe us out immediately. And He gives us time to repent. He gives us time to change. But then sometimes we get trapped by our own sin, as it says there, and He's caught in the cords of His sin. You know, how many times, you know, people go on for years sometimes in sin. 
but eventually, eventually, they got caught in their own cords. Numbers 32.23, just to reiterate these couple of points as, as we close up, says, If you do not do so, then take note. You have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Be sure your sin will find you out. And then in Psalm 7, verses 14 through 16, Behold, the wicked brings forth iniquity. Yes, he conceives trouble and brings forth falsehood. He made a pit and dug it out, and has fallen into the ditch which he had made. His trouble shall return upon his own head, and his violent dealing shall come down upon his own crown. So, so many times, you know, we can, we can think back at people who've been involved in sin and involved in, um, you know, in maybe illegal activities, whatever it is, and eventually they get caught. They get caught by their own, in, in their own trap. You know, this, the psalmist here is, is saying, you know, he dug his own pit and then he fell in it. So basically, that's what, hap- that's what happens to us. So whether God, you know, uh, gives us that grace and mercy and, and he's long-suffering and allows us to repent from it or we get, we get caught in our own trap, you know, uh, Solomon's so practical and, you know, we, we make that application and we probably know people who have suffered under, under uh, adultery. And, um, you know, so... We can give that wisdom to others. I, th- I think back to the, f- for the fir- to the first couple of verses of this proverb that spoke about not only hearing these things, but taking them to heart and then speaking them through our lips that we may uh, bring that wisdom to others. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfield's by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.